3: That's right. The big man in red is gearing up for a very busy holiday season. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Mitch Allen, founder and head elf at hiresanta.com in Dallas. Uh, Mitch, thanks so much for being with us here on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. That's right. Christmas creeping up on us here. Uh, Obviously, you know that a lot of businesses kind of took hits from the COVID 19 pandemic. Has the Santa business kind of officially bounced back from COVID 19, in your opinion?
4: Oh, i definitely say that it is all the way back and more, Andy. Uh, the demand for Santa Claus entertainers is up more than it's ever been.
3: So that leads greatly into my next question for you. Uh, if the demand is up, the business is back, how do you prepare? How do you handle the surge in demand, especially as we, we creep closer to Christmas?
4: Well, here at Hire Santa, we're uh, trying to find Santa Claus entertainers around uh, throughout the year. Uh, we've added over 1,100 Santas to our database just this year alone. Uh, And that's really what we have to do to plan for it, as well as reaching out to clients and trying to educate people that they need to book their Santa uh, earlier than they think they need to.
3: It really is a year round gig. I mean, is is that fair to say?
4: Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. You know, uh, big, uh, big events and big clients, uh, they plan their Christmas events uh, six months, nine months, even a year out. So. Uh, it really is a full year of uh, business.
3: I want to ask you, Mitch, you know, being in, in a position like you are, it's got to be a, a fun thing to do. I mean, you're working with people who are who are excited. You, you get to hire these Santas. What is it like for you to to, to get to kind of sit back and, and put this all together? I would think it's a, it's a fun day-to-day job.
4: Oh, it's a great job. You know, of all the companies I've ever owned or started, HireSanta.com is by far the, the most fun and jolly to work with. You know, we're planning uh, holiday events. We're helping to spread the love and joy of Christmas. And our Santa Claus entertainers, you know, they personify that uh, love and joy of Christmas. So uh, it's a real blessing to be able to help uh, help people to uh, celebrate Christmas and be part of their Christmas traditions. Uh, it's just a true honor.
3: And hey Mitch, one last question for you, perhaps the most important one. You mentioned the, the Santas you work with. Uh, there's a lot of them. What is it that makes a great Santa? What do you look for when it comes to the the perfect santa to to, to send to someone's event in your eyes?
4: Yeah, so uh, I, we look at a lot of Santas, and you know, real beard, real belly, and real jolly are sort of uh, what you have to sort of have the look and feel. But it's really that uh, twinkle in your eye. And that Christmas spirit in your heart—that what we're really looking for.
3: Great stuff, as always. Mitch Allen, founder and head elf at HireSanta.com in Dallas. Thanks so much for being with us here on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Coming up, a famous name in toys continues its journey on the comeback trail. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. You may remember this iconic jingle. On the latest move by the Reborn, Toys R Us is a new store inside the Mall of America, set to hold a grand opening on Friday. Joined now by Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business reporter. Jennifer, thanks for joining us here on the Noon Business Hour. Uh, How does the return of Toys R Us, especially in the opening of flagship stores, how does that tap into the nostalgia tied to to the iconic brand in your eyes?
5: Well, you know, as you, as you just mentioned a very playful and iconic brand that obviously, you know, many of us are very familiar with. The brand is 70 years 70 years old and obviously the store was a, a great go-to place for many of us as kids and then even as adults, you know, looking for gifts for our own kids and nieces and nephews and such. So when it closed, it was just, it was shocking actually when it closed and it filed for bankruptcy and then closed in 2018. And this opening up again, now this is the second store they're going to do. They're doing it at the Mall of America. As you mentioned, it's going to be about 15,000 square feet. It is the other store that they opened, opened in about 2021. And that was at the American dream mall, which is in New Jersey. That store is about 20,000 square feet. And just to give you a visualization of how big that is, I mean, the you know, the, the Toys R Us stores, as you might remember, were massive. And the one in New York Times Square, Times Square, rather, in New York was about 110,000 square feet. This 20,000 square feet is about the average size of an office building, an office tower floor plate. So just to give you a, a, an imagination of what that looks like. And American Dream and Mall of America are both owned by the same uh, developers, Triple Five Group. And so they've hooked up with these, uh, with the group that owns the company now, WHP Global. And that's kind of they own, they've been acquiring brands uh, for some time, so they own things like Ann Klein and Isaac Mizrahi, and Bonobo, some of those. So at any rate, back to the, the holiday time. This is a great time for them to do this. They're going to get the store open you know, just in time for the holidays. It's going to help you know, bring back some nostalgia for some. It's also going to help the, the whole toy industry in itself because there is no one place like a Toys R Us to shop. You can go to Target. You can go to Walmart. You can find things there, but this is not, you know, where all you see is toys and they're all over the place.
3: So, Jennifer, you know, you mentioned the closing and we're talking the the space of, of these new stores. So many toys uh, and kind of the magic, you know, the, the nostalgia that people yeah. think of with Toys R Us. But you mentioned its closing, you know, its demise five years ago. What kind of led to that? And I'm curious in your eyes what they can do here moving forward to avoid a similar fate uh, with these new stores.
5: Well, you know, a lot of the time, Andy, um, and especially at the time, um, the rise in online shopping, which was nothing in 2017 and 2018 compared to what it is now... Um, thanks to COVID mainly, but the rise in online shopping was really blamed for the, you know the the downfall in some of the in store shopping. But you know, Toys R Us was just ladled with debt. It had like five billion dollars in debt. It was owned by a private equity. It had you know that hadn't really invested money in it because it had such a heavy debt load and hadn 't really invested any money in it, so the stores themselves are starting to become a little bit run down. The labor you know you, it was tough to find someone in the store to help you, and The stores were pretty big, like I said the, at the Times Square store was one hundred and ten thousand square feet. Most of the stores were about fifty to 60,000 square feet. So just, you know, imagining how big that is and not having anyone to help you find anything, for example. But um, this bringing them back, you know, they're bringing them back slowly. They're planning on opening their first airport store in Dallas-Fort Worth. And then they've got plans... Um, to open another 24 stores next year before the holidays. So they'll put those in different areas, um, you know, some major cities. I think the sizes will not be as big because most retailers today are really downscaling the size of their stores. So I don't think we're going to see another 110,000 square foot store at least not for some time if we do. But I think it really kind of brings back that whole the memory the the iconic brand that it is and kind of brings it back to the, you know, the nostalgia of it too, which obviously a lot of people will, you know, get into. I think they'll do a lot of holiday inspired stuff there too, a Santa Claus. You know, the old stores had a lot of theme themes, places to them, like a Barbie uh, theme, a Lego theme, a, a Wonka shop, that kind of stuff. And I think we're going to see a lot of that stuff coming back.
3: Really exciting stuff. Thank you. Jennifer Waters, there Chicago-based is. business reporter. Up next, a look at changing return policies in retail. While retail theft can often generate headlines, product returns are actually tougher on the bottom line of a business. We now welcome in Jan rogers Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers-Niffen Worldwide. In New York, Jan. Thanks so much for being with us here on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Uh, I'm curious, what what is behind the change uh, for so many retailers when it comes to these product returns, and and how they can be so costly for consumers?
6: Well, let's put it in perspective. Theft is going to cost us more than a billion, more than hundred billion dollars this year. So, 100 hundred and something billion dollars just due to theft. Returns will cost us over eight hundred billion dollars this year. So returns have always been a big problem, but they've gotten bigger. Why? Well, 20 years ago, we did something we had never done before. We started selling stuff online. And if you're a typical, say, apparel store, and you sell it in the store, 15% of the stuff comes back. If you sell it online, 40% of the stuff comes back. And a higher percentage of stuff is sold online every year. So returns have gotten worse just because of that. But they've also gotten worse for the same reason theft has gotten worse. People feel like it's okay to send something back, even if they've worn it and they just are bored with it and they can send it back to you. So we're also getting fraudulent returns, but returns have really skyrocketed, mostly because of online selling.
3: And I'm sure there's there's got to be normally a, a skyrocketing after the holidays as we get those gifts that maybe we don't uh, want to keep all of them and the returns can can kind of boost. I mean, is there a way that the, these stores, these businesses, kind of prepare for the holiday rush of people influx returns? Or, or you know are, are these the, these fees kind of trying to deter that and, and keep people from from making these returns?
6: Well, they would they would certainly like for you to keep the product and still returning it, so they would like to make it more difficult to return stuff that maybe you shouldn't be returning but they don't really want to make it so difficult that you quit buying stuff from them so it's a fine line they walk but to put that in perspective on the day after christmas stores do more registered transactions than they do any other day but they don't do more sales they do very few net sales because most of the things they sell are marked down because it's after christmas And returns are so high that the net between returns and sales can sometimes be like zero. So, yes, it's an enormous period for returns, and it causes a lot of expense because you have to ring the register, you have to do the work but you are not getting paid for it at that point in time. That's the same problem with returns in general. If you get something back, you have to handle it again, you have to inspect it, you want to sell it again, but a lot of the stuff can't be sold again. So you've got to either mark it down dramatically or you've got to send it to somebody else to discount it out, or you've just got to throw it away. So that's why they're so expensive. And so yes, they would like to slow down the return process. They would like you to only buy things you really want. They would like you to only buy things that actually fit you. They would like you not to buy three of them, one in three different sizes. But all of those things are happening all the time. And the the returns as a percent of the sales are actually going up. They haven't come up with a method to drive it down yet. Doing some things like making it more difficult to return or charging for returns or charging for returns in the mail, May slow it down a little bit, but that's not going to solve the
3: problem. They're crossing the fingers that everything you get this year you like and don't need a return. Great stuff. Jan Rogers-Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers-Niffin Worldwide, still ahead in personal finance Wednesday, setting up guardrails to help avoid holiday overspending.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date.
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon
3: Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Andy Dane. And for Rob Hart, these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Chicago City Council makes changes involving public comment at meetings. President Biden has some goals in mind as he sits down today with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. In personal finance Wednesday, making sure holiday season spending doesn't bring regret in the new year. And on the financial front, a guide to holiday tipping. Sports Bowls host Orlando at the UC tonight. Wall Street right now, the Dow is up 136 points, NASDAQ gaining 10, S&P 500 is up 8 points. Sunshine mild this afternoon, a high of 64 degrees. Right now, plenty of sunshine and 60 degrees in Chicago at 1231. A new set of public comment rules now in force at Chicago City Council meetings. City Clerk Anna Valencia.
6: Profane, vulgar, threatening, abusive, or disruptive language is not permitted. Demeaning, discriminatory, or harassing behavior and speech directed towards others is not permitted. Disruptive behavior, including disruptive or disrespectful conduct during others' presentations is not permitted.
3: Other rules include not bringing in banners, beverages or sharp objects and to stay seated unless providing a comment. Violators will be given a warning before being removed. One of President Biden's aims during his meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping today involves military relations. A
4: dozen years ago, ties between the Pentagon and Beijing were getting better.
6: Military relationship is on a more positive trajectory.
4: That was Defense Secretary Robert Gates two years before China's top defense official visited Chuck Hagel at the Pentagon.
2: The general and I affirm the importance of maintaining
4: open channels of communication. But relations have deteriorated and the Pentagon's worried about a lack of communications with China amid a rise in incidents between their ships and aircraft. Today, the two presidents are expected to agree on restoring regular military-to-military communications, which the U.S. views as key to maintaining a peaceful Indo-Pacific region. Sagar Magani, Washington.
2: It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour
3: continues. Stocks are trading higher on this Wednesday. Joining us now in the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Victoria Fernandez, Chief Market Strategist at Crossmark Global Investments in Houston, Texas. Victoria, thanks so much for being with us today on the Noon Business Hour. Uh, We've seen a monster rally for stocks here over the last three weeks or so. Uh, In your eyes, does the market have legs to, to keep on running?
1: Well, it depends really, Andy. Um, A lot of this is going to rely on what the Federal Reserve does over the coming quarters. After our latest reports that we got this week on inflation, the market has really priced out the chance that the Fed will hike rates at all again the rest of this year, and is actually looking at the Fed starting to cut rates in May of next year. I think that might be a little too optimistic. There's been quite a few head fakes so far in this rate hike cycle that we've had, um, where the market thinks the Fed is done, but they're not, and this could be another one of those. So I think we just have to be a little bit cautious, wait to get a little bit more confirmation over the coming months.
3: Victoria, had lots of talk about a potential recession here sometime uh, in the next year or so. Where do you sit in your eyes? Where are we headed as far as a, as a recession goes?
1: I do think we will probably see a mild recession. The flags, the red flags have been flying for quite a while that a recession should be coming. But look, the U.S. consumer has really stepped up and supported this economy. But we have a lot of things now that are going to start to affect the consumer. We've got student loan payments coming back up. We've got credit card payments going back up. Um, Interest rates are higher on purchases that they're making. So we could see the consumer start to slow down. Add that with the 525 five basis points of hikes that we've already had from the Federal Reserve starting to work their way through the economy. And I think we could see a slowdown. A lot of analysts are saying it's probably going to be towards the beginning of next year.
3: Certainly a lot of uh, geopolitical action right now. How is that kind of playing into the markets and, and what you're keeping an eye on here?
1: surprisingly, the markets really looked through or looked past a lot of the geopolitical tensions that have been out there. That doesn't mean that they can't escalate. Obviously, we know if if Iran steps in um, to the issues that we're seeing over in the Middle East, that could cause more of a concern, and we could see the markets react to that. I think the markets have become a little bit more, and I hate to use this phrase, but a little bit more accustomed to the events that we've seen with the Ukraine and Russia, so it doesn't drive the market as much. But obviously, it only takes one headline to change that. So it's something we have to be watching.
3: Victoria, any areas of the market right now that you're keying in on as far as cheap and, and, and any parts of, of, of threats coming into the financial markets in your eyes?
1: So, one of the things that we always look at when we're looking at stocks for our portfolio is the balance sheets, right? You don't just pick a sector and throw a dart and say, yes, this sector's doing well. You have to dig into the balance sheets of the companies. And for us, we like um, in the healthcare space a name like an Elevance Health or a name like Cigna. Um, these healthcare providers have had taken a big hit this year, but they have strong balance sheets, good cash flows. These, this is an area we think you can look at.
3: And, Victoria, one last question for you on this Personal Finance Wednesday. Any advice to the the individual investor here as the uh, year comes to an end?
1: Yeah, I think they need to really focus on the diversification within their portfolio. I know people say that all the time, but when you have an opportunity like this with yields as high as they've been, add a little fixed income to your portfolio for some safety areas, have a little bit of stocks in there, and try to keep it balanced until we get a firm trajectory higher in the equity markets.
3: Really great stuff. As always, Victoria Fernandez, Chief Market Strategist at Crossmark Global Investments in Houston. Thanks for joining us today. Up next in personal finance wednesday avoiding that overspending this holiday season generating memories not debt money talks as the wbbm noon business hour continues it is personal finance wednesday here on the wbbm noon business hour and this afternoon we're talking safeguarding your finances this holiday season by steering clear of overspending and debt get some direction from Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park, also the author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Chris, thanks for being with us here on the Noon Business Hour. All right, so the holidays are coming up and we all like to give, but that requires spending some money. How often is it that people go, go a little too a uh, little too crazy buying gifts and, and wind up in some, some financial struggles?
0: Ho, ho, ho. Usually too many people, right? However, If you grew up in a family where discipline and saving was priority, then you probably already have a budget in place, so you know how much you can afford to spend when birthdays come around or holidays. Otherwise, with all the pressure, sometimes peer pressure can have you spending more than you really can afford to spend, and then you're paying it off in January or February, March, however much you have gone overboard. So it's it's really important to get a handle on what your priorities are.
3: Chris, you mentioned a budget. Uh, How important is kind of setting that realistic budget when it comes to to preventing overspending for, for the holidays and I guess really the rest of the year in general?
0: Andy, it's like breathing. How important is breathing? If you know what you can afford to spend, you'll never get in trouble financially and you'll not fall victim to the peer pressure that I talked about earlier because it's simply unaffordable. One thing that I recommend for families is when Christmas time comes, especially if you have family members with varying incomes, usually you do, why not consider a white elephant? Say you have 10 family members, everybody brings one gift, you set whatever the limit is on the present, and instead of everyone needing to bring 10 gifts for 10 people, you bring one gift. It just takes the pressure and it focuses you focuses you back onto your relationships with people and why you're really getting together in the first place.
3: Chris, white elephants are, are always a lot of fun. I'm curious, too, you talk about kind of close family and friends. Is any advice to people maybe sitting down with those family and friends ahead of the holidays and talking out kind of kind of realistic expectations as far as, as spending goes? Can that be kind of a helpful tool here?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we did because we had various levels of income in the family. And we just had a come to Jesus meeting that said, this is crazy. Let's just, you know, we have our own specific limit that we use but everybody's different so i don't want to say a limit you decide that limit with your group and then just have fun with that white elephant
3: and chris you mentioned the budget i know we, we've heard of you know the rule of hey you know what if you're gonna hit buy why don't you give it 24 hours sleep on it come back maybe you'll change your mind um any other advice you have as, as we approach kind of the shopping season for the holidays to make sure that people don't uh, overspend here
0: Sure. If you married, get an agreement about this issue, because this is one area finances that if you're not in agreement, it just causes problems down the road. Plus, the kids see you doing it anyway. So teach them good habits.
3: Great stuff, as always. Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner, president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park and author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Thanks so much for being with us. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come today, the art of holiday tipping. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour is the season for holiday tipping joining us now with advice on who to tip and how much is Ted Rossman industry analyst at bankrate.com in New York Ted thank you for joining us today uh, let's start with the, the holiday tipping idea uh, which service providers are typically recommended to receive uh, some of these holiday tips in your eyes
2: we're generally talking about people like your housekeeper if you have one or your kids teacher or child care provider. Maybe a landscaping service, if you have one, or a plow guy, uh, your mail carrier, trash and recycling collectors, uh, one other important category I think, if you live in an apartment building would be the building staff, like the super and the doorman, and people like that
3: when do you uh, maybe I'm sure it varies maybe by person because you listed a few different jobs there but but if people are are maybe new to the holiday tipping, they want to do it this year, they've never done it. Where do you start as far as how much amount? Where do you start kind of baseline um, what to give and how much to give?
2: I think there are two different schools of thought here. One would be if you have a regular service provider. I'm thinking more a housekeeper, a babysitter that you have all the time, Uh, maybe even your hairstylist or barber. I think it's important to tip those people throughout the year, but you may give an extra generous tip around the holidays. For things like that, maybe the cost of one service would be an appropriate holiday tip. So if you have a weekly housekeeper, maybe you kind of double that one week's pay that last cleaning of the year around the holidays or, you know, same thing with your your barber or somebody like that. The other one is more of the one-off tip to the mail carrier or trash and recycling guys. I feel like something like 20 bucks might be appropriate there. It's notable, though, that some agencies, like the Postal Service, discourage cash tips. And a lot of the private carriers do the same thing, like UPS and FedEx. Sometimes gift cards are okay, although that's a little bit of a squishy area. Sometimes it's also recommended for delivery drivers to leave, like, some prepackaged soft drinks and snacks, and that can be a way to show appreciation.
3: Ted, if you want to show your appreciation to any of the people that you've named here so far, but maybe you're a little tight on budget, I know a lot of us kind of save up most of our our spending for, for shopping and gifts like that. Uh, what are some tips on ways that you could show your appreciation, maybe a little more creatively, if if you can't quite maybe float that $20 or a gift card or something like that?
2: One idea would be to pool resources. So that may defray the individual cost, but maybe you could go in on a class gift for the teacher or daycare provider, or you and some neighbors go in on a collective tip or gift for the the trash and recycling collectors or the mail carrier, you may be able to kick in less on an individual basis and still kind of show group appreciation, and it also kind of hides how much each individual contributed. So that would be one idea. I also think as much as cash can be king and people really appreciate cash, you know, sometimes maybe it is appropriate to give another type of gift, whether that's the drinks and snacks idea, or maybe if you're really crafty or a good baker or something, you know, maybe you can give something homemade. Um, I know it's the thought that counts, but I also think that cash really matters, especially in a high inflation, high interest rate economy. So I, I tend to think that a a hearty handshake and a card only goes so far. I think people would rather get the the money, but, um, you know, hey, I'm sure something beats nothing, right?
3: Uh, you said it, you No know, Cash is king, that's for sure. Great stuff, as always. Ted Rossman, industry analyst at Bankrate.com in New York. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business shower, we will have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com, as well as the Odyssey app
4: baseball your way download it now for free from the app store or google play blackout and other restrictions apply major league baseball trade parts used with permission
2: we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch